If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And gentlemen, do we ever stop talking about BCDR? Business mm -hmm. continuity and disaster recovery. Does it ever end? Never. It's always ongoing. It's a constant fight. Why is that? Why why don't we just like stop having disasters? Let's just, you know, we can have normal problems, incidents, events, all that kind of thing. Why do we have to have disasters? I I don't know. I guess it's just human nature. <laughs> we, oh, keep, okay. we keep screwing stuff up. So <laughs> I think it's nature nature because because most of our disasters, I yeah, think, are the result true. of that. So um, the, the reason I bring this up uh, this week and, and it's important for everyone to understand that we're recording this in the last week of September, um, just just as a, a preface. Um, I went to the grocery store today. And it was kind of spooky. Because even though it's before noon uh, on a weekday, there were huge empty spots in the grocery store where usually there are pallets of bundles of bottled water, about 24 to 36 bottles um, on the floor in the grocery store. It's just a very common thing here in, in New Orleans, especially during the summertime. Mm -hmm. They were all gone. They were all gone and in the rows where bottled water is kept uh, in the actual aisles most of that was gone too there were a few specialty waters that go for like 12 bucks for six <laughs> bottles those were still there um, yeah, well you know I, we don't see much perrier anymore because of that whole perrier yeah, disaster right. thing you know um, these were some fancy brands that i had never even heard of before i can't even remember the names of them but they they were really cool bottles oh. um uh, but those were the only ones there. And I had, I, this had taken me aback. This sometimes occurs when there's a hurricane uh, impending in this area because people need to stock up and that's that's a thing. Um, but usually when that occurs, by that time, the grocery stores have uh, stocked a backlog of those things. They're very highly responsive to those influences. In this case, it was completely bereft, which is really unusual. And we got gorgeous weather. So I, I didn't know what was going on. And I asked the cashier as I was checking out, what's the story with the water? Did you all have a big sale or something? She said, no, these are people coming in from the city. These are people from New Orleans, which is about 20 minutes, a half hour from where we live. We're in a small town. They've been coming out to our grocery stores and buying up all the bottled water because there is none to be found in New Orleans because nature, nature's doing it to us again or doing it to New Orleans again. Um, <laughs> Saltwater incursion. Are y'all familiar with this concept? No. N no, I had read a little bit about it before we hopped on here today. Um... I didn't realize uh, how, how big of a deal. I, I guess 
uh, New Orleans gets all of its fresh water from the Mississippi River. Is that right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, because okay. uh, it's an easy, close, convenient freshwater source, and it's you know usually um, constantly available. Um, and and I don't know anything about the physics of water. I I went to the Air Force Academy. We studied aerodynamic engineering. <laughs> that that was that was the course that I had to go through. That and and astrological or a- astronomic engineering, not astrological. That'd be a different thing. Um, uh. Uh, we didn't study whatever water engine is that hydrophobic That's, engineering, hydrological engineering. Yeah. What is that? I don't yeah. know, but I'm, I'm sure that the Naval Academy would be fine to uh, go to if you. They <laughs> do. They have those classes and they make them go through that. But nobody else cares, right? You know, brownie <laughs> motion and all that. Um, but here's what I understand uh, because I, I was not aware of this. If the water level of the Mississippi gets too low. Because the way water works, water will always fill a gap, um, especially flat parts. And what happens in that case is when the water level is low, the ocean water from the Gulf of Mexico starts to come in to fill that same space so that the pressure equalizes. And this naturally occurs in the Mississippi about once every 10 years. Uh, We've had a particularly hot, dry summer here. Um, yeah, I, I'm loath to call it a drought because it's a swamp. It's always wet, um, <laughs> but it's just, it's just less wet than it usually is. And it's outside the normal 10 year cycle. Um, and the last time from what I understand when a non cycle saltwater intrusion occurred was 1988, um, when they had a, a really, really bad drought. Um, so in this case, it looks like the salt water is coming in from the Gulf of Mexico and it's slowly moving up the Mississippi. Um, and there's already been a couple of small towns between New Orleans and the, the Delta itself. Um, Plaque Mines uh, is, is one of them. Uh, and they've already started to have salt water intrude on their water disbursement system, their, their, their actual pipes. Mm-hmm. And um, so they've had to start responding. And they, the Army Corps of Engineers, who's responsible for the entire Mississippi Valley and for regulating water flow, uh, has started some interim measures to deal with this before it does reach New Orleans. They put a, an underwater barrier in the Mississippi to hold back the salt water. Mm. Get, get, guess how well that worked. Uh, not to rag on the Army Corps of Engineers, but I have seen some of their other projects around New Orleans, <laughs> and they've not been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Water, water wins. Nature wins. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so it it got over the barrier. They're building another one uh, closer to the city. Now they have to be really concerned about how they build those barriers. They can't just dam the river either, because we're heavily reliant in this area on. Um, water transportation on on uh, maritime uh, cargo um, up where I live, we have massive uh, chemical, petrochemical, uh, uh, petroleum, and agricultural distribution centers. A lot of refineries are along the Mississippi. A lot of granaries, and you'll see giant ships moving up and down. They can't just close it off because that would throttle. Not, you know, it would throttle the salt water, but it also throttles commerce, which is the other lifeblood of the area. Um, so they expect it to overcome all of their barriers and reach New Orleans by October 22nd or 23rd. And 
usually in natural flows in the 10-year cycle, this lasts a couple of days. Um, the Corps of Engineers is saying that because of the massive lack of water level in the Mississippi, this could last several months. Yikes. Okay. Which is a whole, you know, order of magnitude beyond what most, what, what we usually suffer through on a regular basis of just living here. And they say that that can't change, that this impending doom will not turn around unless the entire Mississippi Valley from Ohio to uh, Missouri gets 10 inches of rain between now and then. Mm. Which we wouldn't wish on them anyway, because that'd be a whole other type of disaster. So, <laughs> and you got flooding in the Ohio Valley. Exactly, exactly. Which I remember seeing uh, in 1993 when I was driving uh, cross country from uh, Colorado, from California, I think, to Wisconsin. Uh, that whole area was just inundated, and it was it was wild to see. Mm. Um, but. Uh, uh, so this is this is the thing, and it's going to happen, and people are already stockpiling water. Um, I, I want to talk about this from a BCDR perspective about ways to do things, what the effect means, and and um, how to deal with it. Uh, yeah, Rafti, you wanted to add something, and I yeah, want to I want to rely to... on you for a couple of things here too. Okay, no, I was just curious. So is it uh, that because you said like water systems? What sort of water systems are? Like, is it, is it tap water? Are you yes, it's like... the municipal tap water supply? And, and, okay. here's a, and here's a couple of, for lack of a better term, downstream effects of having <laughs> salt water in your pipes. It's not just the fact that you can't drink salt water. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, salt water will, yes, leaching, metallic leaching. We do yeah. have a number of lead pipes still in the New Orleans uh, water distribution system. So when salt water hits that Rafti, what happens? It leaches out the the lead, of course. Yeah, you know what? Lead salt tastes sweet. So if your if your tap water is especially sweet these days, maybe don't drink it. <laughs> okay, all right. That's that's very good to know. Um, and and what's the big danger of lead uh, being infused in your water, your drinking water? Yeah, yeah, you're absorbent and your your body is accumulating it. Like have like lead poisoning, of course, would be the, the worst part of it. But even small doses, it has an impact on your mental health. Like I think you you I don't know, get brain development, especially for yes, young exactly. children. It's yeah, it's a absolutely. major, major, yeah. major health. But it uh, makes you slower. And the stuff is it's not it's like it stays in your body. It's you, cumulative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But other um, stuff the body rejects over time, but heavy metals. But not heavy stuff. metals. No, arsenic, yeah. uh, lead, um, selenium, I think. You need chelation if you want to remove that stuff, right? Um, it, it's, not, it's not something your body's going to get rid of. Yep. Um, so that is a huge, you know, when I first heard about salt water and drinking, I'm like, okay, so, you know, th that's no big deal. The leaching is a big deal. That makes it a significant effect. Um now, also, of course, the, the pipes are like it's for, bad for the people. But even if you say, well, then let's just rinse all the water out of the system afterwards and don't drink it in the meantime, um, it has a very huge impact on the pipes themselves as well. Like there's the corrosion, a structural impact. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the as you're one, leaching the metal out of the pipe, yeah, yeah. The, the pipe is becoming thinner, right? Yes, yes, yes. and yeah. and rare, like really. I mean, Matt, I think you have some experience with boats, don't you? Y yes, <laughs> not just aircraft, but it's yeah. like a saltwater boat has different painting, and they yes. they need to get new paint jobs much more regularly because of bleaching mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, and in fact, there are sacrificial parts of a boat engine that's made for saltwater, um, yeah. so that 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 uh, my freshwater boat doesn't have. Yep. So those are replaceable or those are mm -hmm. disposable components? Yeah, they're called zincs. Yeah, you, your, your boat will have zincs in it that uh, uh, prevent uh, the good parts of the boat from rotting uh, or from rusting. And, and instead, those, those parts are designed to be consumables and be replaced. Yeah. It's a galvanic I, I didn't reaction. know that. Yeah, 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 yeah gal galvanic reaction. Yes, exactly, Rafti. You know more than I do. <laughs> I well, used to be a chemist. And he's a chemist. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I was going to ask him the next thing. That's why I was going to ask him the next thing. What we're really talking about here, aside from the heavy metals in the infrastructure, what we're really talking about here is not survival level water issues. We're talking about convenience level water issues, right? Okay. First of all, it's a month out. You know, people can go somewhere where there's water we have plenty of time it's a very slow moving disaster <laughs> um also there are plenty of ways for a survival situation to extract clean potable drinking water from a contaminated water supply rafti what are some of those ways from a chemist uh perspective uh how would you get good water from bad uh the the two sort of like easiest options is pumping it through membranes so filtering it like in a molecular like size, um, of course, those filters can clock and everything. And the other one is, of course, distillation with distillation. You get rid with both both of those methods. You should get rid of everything. So you should add salt like those naturals, like some salt back in um, because drinking distilled water is not good for your for your body cells either. It's uh, hard to metabolize, uh, right? It's it's yeah, and it's it's also pulling out this the the like it's doing the its own cells. leaching. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not good for your body cells. Like the the cells themselves is with osmotic pressure, and your cells can explode because they get too much water in them due to the salt differences and stuff like that. So it's it's not a good thing either. Um, but you, it's it's doable. And it's doable and um yeah so just cook the water and and distill it basically that's one of the methods and the other one would be pumping it through membranes good and you don't even have to cook it i mean we will still have electricity we will still have gas so you can use uh, applied heat to do your distillation but you can also do evaporative distillation for absolutely no cost especially because we got plenty of sun and heat here you can just take a bowl of water put it in a plastic bag and boom you've got evaporative distillation you know uh, all of that water will evaporate and condense on the inner lining of the plastic and then you can have another bowl at the bottom of the plastic rim and you're fine um, so for, for survival situation, that's not what we're talking about. Everyone can survive. There is plenty of water. It just won't be drinkable. You could make it drinkable. We don't want to do that. Maybe, maybe just add, you described it very great, how, how the distillation should work. But for anybody, because sometimes people say you should just cook the water. Of course, if you drink the cooked water in the pot, 
that's not like this does not get rid of any of the heavy metals don't, no, he don't do for that. heavy metal purposes no for the no. you need to boil the water run it through some you know have a, a still a, a tube coming and believe me yeah. louisianans know about using stills <laughs> i mean we're almost as good okay, at sorry. as kentucky <laughs> We're almost as good as Kentucky at, at moonshining. So, you know, um, that's not that's not going to be the issue. Yes. Don't drink the water that you boiled in the pot. We're not talking about killing microbes here. We're talking about recovering good drinking water. And, Rafti, you say add some minerals back in. It, electrolytes, yeah. it's what plants crave. Or, or how, <laughs> what, what sort of minerals would you add back into distilled water to make it more um, uh, easier to metabolize for your body? I mean, there are uh, pills which have everything in them, but if it's just to get the osmosis, uh, osmotic pressure back, you can uh, add uh, table salt. It will not taste great, but to make it safe to drink in normal quantities, table salt is, is already okay. It will not provide you with everything that you need, but um, to get rid of the sort of like danger-ish, um, it's good enough. Yeah. From just from a fluid dynamic standpoint within your body. Exactly. Right? Now let's talk about the irony of saltwater intrusion. So we have to boil water. So we have to add salt to it. <laughs> now that's that's just that's just funny. But we're not, you know, even though BCDR is a thing, we can still be comical about. Um, all right. Uh, now again, if it was just microbes, if it was just uh, contamination, we could also use things like iodide pills. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of other ways. You could salt the water and then strain, you know, and then evaporate the water out. But we, we're, that's not what we're doing. There are water filters that exist. I don't know if standard drinking water filters that are marketed commercially are designed for heavy metals. I, I, I Rafti, is that a thing? I, I don't think they are. I think they're designed more for, for taste. It, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we don't usually use them around here. Um, deionization water filters are a thing, and you can get rid of everything. So that's what I was saying. Like when you're in a laboratory, you don't cook, you don't distill water. You pump it through multiple stages of like membranes, so that you filter down to basically H2O. So, okay. but Ben, you're, you're you're talking about like the the, the Brita like a Brita filter. filter. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't think I have no clue. Yeah, because that's just charcoal filtering, and I don't think it's designed to pull out, yeah, the heavy metals and, and stuff like that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Again, I think that's microbial and for palatability, right? I think so, yeah. Don't quote me, though. I'm sure that Brita would be happy to uh, sponsor the show <laughs> <laughs> if we gave them a few plugs. <laughs> um, my refrigerator, we, we don't drink directly out of the tap. We drink the from the refrigerator spigot, and that does have a filter um, that I do have to change on a fairly regular basis. But again, I don't think that covers heavy metals. That is also a charcoal-based filter. Um, but again, we're not talking about survival, we're talking about convenience. We're talking about quantities of water that at your easy access so that you can continue your regular daily life. We don't want to spend a day and a half distilling and evaporating our own water just so that we can survive. We're, th that's not the conditions we're looking for. Therefore, drinking water itself in large quantities becomes a lot more crucial if you want the city to continue being the city, that we don't have a mass evacuation and people go to where the water is. The Army Corps of Engineers is planning to barge 36 million gallons of drinking water per day 
into the city for the duration of the contamination or intrusion. That's a lot of water. I think so. I don't know. I have no idea what normal usages are for per scale or per size. I, I honestly don't know. It just sounds like a lot. It sounds very heavy, bulky. Water's yeah. a bitch to transport. Um, now, that makes me immediately think of would uh, how much water do you need in the Mississippi River to keep the salt water from <laughs> encroaching? Because if it's less than that amount of water, just dump just it. Pour the water into the Mississippi. Right. <laughs> you know, start go out there with all your gallon jugs and just yeah. start pouring it out, right? I uh, again, I don't know what I what I imagine is the scale that we're talking about, you know, the scale of what the Gulf of Mexico is, the scale of what oceans are, um, billions, trillions of gallons. What is it? Something like five sevenths of the planet is covered in water. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it yeah the oceans and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure that the Mississippi has probably got some insane rate of, of of water that that goes through it on the order of millions or billions of gallons per minute or something like that agreed agree and it's all leaving it all goes yeah. into the gulf right and it's not like we're desalinating the gulf with all this mississippi water you know? <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um so okay i mean good props to the the core for getting that water i don't know how they're going to distribute it in any reasonable fashion um that I, I'm really glad I don't live in the city. Uh, I think that's going to become a very weird situation. Um, well, now to get into the the thrust of this episode regarding BCDR, the one of the good things I would imagine about New Orleans is that it's got a history of of disasters and needing to distribute water and food and help people and stuff like that. You know, everything from Katrina to Ida to you know, name your hurricane over the last couple of hundred years. So hopefully there's already infrastructure and planning in place. We also have a history of doing that really poorly. <laughs> yeah, well, at least <laughs> at least from a centralized authority standpoint. Mm. By mm. and large, our best responses have been decentralized and distributed. Um, there's a there's a joke down here. Uh, it, it it's sometimes referred to as um, the redneck navy or mm -hmm. the Cajun Navy or the Confederate Navy, uh, pretty much anyone with a boat, anything that floats, will go out during floods and they'll go to those isolated homesteads and they'll find people who need rescuing and they'll pull them out. And this is all done on a volunteer uh, ad hoc basis. There is, there is no centralized command and control for it, but it is highly effective, um, usually because those personnel know the routes and the back ways and back channels of where they're going to and where they can leave. And um, because you don't have to wait for a hierarchy of information to flow up and down. Um, there's no tasking, no assignments. It just gets done. And that, that was done for very great effect. Uh, the hurricane prior to Ida, the year or two before, and I forget the name of it, um, when there was flooding outside the city and a bit further north than what usually occurs here, um, that response was amazing, and I think the loss of life was kept extremely minimal, and um, there were constant reports of the numbers of people being rescued by personal watercraft, and it was, it was mm -hmm. amazing. It was astounding. Now, there are downsides to that. Uh, 
because when you don't have centralized control of those things, you can end up with rescuers getting stranded with the people they're trying to rescue. And now you need to task resources to go get them as well. And if they're not on the same communications channel, if there's not the same hierarchy, you can have emergency use of helicopters, larger watercraft that should be tasked for more people, but can't be. Um, so it gets really awkward that way. Um, but luckily, there's other avenues too beyond just having a centralized authority handing out gallons of water, which I, again, I'm not anticipating that going well. It never does. Um, if you think of all the various problems that can occur, hoarding, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's no good way of tracking people who've already received water and who haven't. Uh, mm -hmm. Resellers, counterfeiters, just, there's, <laughs> you know. Counterfeit water. <laughs> you laugh. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's a thing. Uh, yeah. 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 I once bought a bottle of water from a guy on a corner and it, it, it was after I had driven away that I realized that the top had been taken off and put back on. It was a used bottle of water. Oh, and I, gross. I, threw, I threw that. Yeah, right. How how reprehensible is that, right? Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, there are opportunity, you know, opportunistic um, ugliness that go on in such situations. Now I'm imagining that concurrent with the centralized response, the stores are going to do what they always do. They're going to continue restocking and resupplying at, at great length and with um, short time uh, turnaround compared to their normal purchase process and, and scheduling. And they're often pretty good at that. Walmart in previous hurricanes and disasters has given away pallets of water just for free. If you need it, come get it. Yeah. They just set them up in the parking lot. As much as you can carry, you can take with you. Um, and, and there's lots of other stores that do similar things. Um, so I'm anticipating that, that those forces will still be in play. And then I think you'll also see the freelancers. Um, you know, just like the people from the city have come to my small town to buy up all our water, I think people will go further out. They'll go to Baton Rouge, they'll go to Texas, they'll buy pallets of water and they'll bring it in and they'll sell it privately. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be harder for them to compete with the large grocery chains and with the federal government, but they will fill in some gaps that otherwise would not have been served by those other sources. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm concerned, though, uh, about long-term solutions. If this is a thing that can happen outside the normal 10-year cycle, perhaps there's some other ways that we should consider handling drinking water for New Orleans other than mm -hmm. relying on the Mississippi and its largesse. Um, back to yeah. the Army Corps of Engineers, they're already blue-skying some other... They, they've said there's no idea that's off the table. One of the things they've intimated is going further up river and bringing water from there down to the city. Mm -hmm. To me, that sounds a lot like rerouting the river or at least creating another canal. Um, <laughs> which, of course, further decreases the water in the river, which, of course, then like, how is this a solution? This is yeah, like, what? <laughs> That's it's like using your credit card to pay your bank bill overdraft or something. You know, uh -huh. I mean, it's like, you know, you're getting about, further into debt. 
how how about having a desalination plan downstream so when the salinated water comes in you turn off the regular water system and just pump in the new one and if it's just partially salinated that's better than going with full ocean water and there are islands getting full ocean water you know just like have that downstream or you see amount of salt water coming upstream you know or get off <laughs> Get off the Mississippi, get off freshwater distribution and go oh, straight yeah. to desalinization because you yeah. have to treat freshwater anyway. And if you're going to have a treatment plant, the way I understand it, dollar for dollar and gallon for gallon, desalinization is just as cost effective as treating freshwater. That's the way I understand it. Once you get to scale, it's the same amount. <laughs> Why don't we just do that? That way you never have to worry about the water level of the Mississippi. You never have to worry about saltwater intrusion. You're already prepared for it. I honestly don't know. I, I have and, no idea. And maybe replace the the uh, lead pipes when you're at it. I don't know. That scares me. <laughs> and and the funny thing about that is uh, the way I understand it from the articles I read, um, the reason that they had that information at their disposal is that the mayor's office was already undertaking a survey of the pipe system because they wanted to identify and remove the lead pipes. So this okay. just happened to, this occurred concurrently with that effort. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, let's, <laughs> I think it's way past time to get rid of that stuff, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The the statistic, and I'm speaking from a place of ignorance here, but the, the statistic I've always heard about the desalinization is that it requires so much more power to do it correctly. Oh. Um, that it is that 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 it's not that the the technology is not there, it's just that it, it requires so much energy to do it on at, at a large scale. In other words, uh submarines, naval submarines can do it, but they have basically unlimited power in the form of the nuclear reactor that's that's doing it so they don't have a power uh, uh concern but doing it at scale for a city or something like that basically you need a dedicated nuclear reactor to keep keep it running uh to be able to to get it that, that that's what i've always heard now that may have changed it's been a long time since i've looked into it but i remember reading something about um desalinization out in the middle east and how much power it required to do it they could do it it was just you know super intensive when it when it came to that so well, I would think, you know, that's a that's a a one time upfront cost, you know, the, the huge capital investment for creating a nuclear power. And I live not far from one. So, I mean, it's like we have them here already. Um, uh, but there are no more things. What's that? But there, What's, but, but, but they're already powering other things. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yes, that power is is not. Um, completely fungible. You can't just take it away from somebody to put it towards desalinization. Um, but I would imagine that once you had both the, the power plant and the desalinization plant up and going, those things pretty much are uh, self-sustaining in terms of cost and maintenance because people are paying their water bill anyway. And right. you could keep the cost fairly low and you wouldn't have to worry about these emergency responses. Um, it, it, the Gulf of Mexico isn't going to run out of water. If it does, <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> if it does, we have a whole bunch of additional beach 
lakefront real estate and we can make all that money back by building more resorts i mean this would this would be a huge boon to the tourist economy um <laughs> but yeah i i you know i think you're right i think rafty that would be a great long-term solution um adding another canal and bleeding the mississippi in a different direction I, I, i'm not a member of the corps of engineers but golly <laughs> You know, we've already talked about the Navy and the Air Force. Army seems to just want to brute force this. <laughs> As is their way. <laughs> uh, so. uh, let's see. Uh, other other valid concerns. Um, we pretty much behave uh, as if uh, water is an infinite source um, mm -hmm. most of the time in our daily lives. When it when it comes to situations like this, where suddenly we're facing a limitation of supply or a perceived limitation of supply, um, you run into other questions like prioritization. Mm -hmm. you know, should hospitals and schools and nursing homes get access to water first before anyone else? Um, and what other you know follow-on effects are there? Right. Now, the nice part is we're still only talking about salt and heavy metals. So I think you can still use this water for bathing. Mm -hmm. I think you can still use it for washing your hands. Rafti, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't, like, I would not water my lawn with it. Well, you um, can't. The salt would kill it, but... <laughs> exactly. And and if kids play in it, the heavy, like, the it will stay contaminated. I guess, like, if you clean the bath afterwards and rinse it when the water is clean very, like, well, but I, I would just, like, avoid using the tap that much during, like, especially with the heavy metals, for, for real. Like, if you're, if you're sponge um that does not just go out over time i mean it does not accumulate there as much as in your cells because they keep it and it's in there but like i don't know if i would want to keep track of what is now like lead poisoned you know <laughs> I, I just don't know i i, I personally would just refrain turn from your using... tap. you'd turn your taps yeah. off for the duration yeah maybe even like down in the cell i don't know how you have it but i have one valve i can close for the whole house and close it there and be like well no lead coming my way <laughs> i'm not i'm yeah, less scared about the salt if the lead wouldn't be a thing the salt i don't yeah. care uh this i don't care like it will yeah. not kill you i've showered it, in salt water i mean yeah, that's just yeah. that's a normal thing especially on boats and stuff right Matt? Mm -hmm. of I course mean, yeah. i have no clue about how much lead it is sorry but Right, this right. this of course has a huge impact and stuff like, but if i don't know i'm just like i would not want i, I like personally <laughs> I, I i would stay You'd err on the side of that. caution yes absolutely okay all right all right um yeah so there's there, there's stuff in like i'm thinking of the rv community there's you know what's called black water and then there's called what's called gray water gray water yeah and yeah the gray water is basically what's you know what runs off of your hands when you uh wash your hands what runs off in, into the bottom of your shower when you take a shower so it's it's dirty water water but it's not raw sewage water and that gray water is often kept separate in something like an rv and reused to do something like flush the toilet to go into a black water system so you can you, you can optimize your water usage i'm not saying that that's 
a, any kind of a solution for a city of how many people in New Orleans? Half a million, million people. <laughs> That's not a long term solution for that. And you're absolutely right. You cannot turn off the water for your house because you have to use the toilet, probably. So, <laughs> and you probably well, need to shower as well and everything. But I'm just like, and I'm I'm just saying like stuff where like where I would prepare food, I would avoid. I, that, yeah. That's basically that's where, where you would use the about. bottled water. Yes, I would not yeah. rinse vegetables with heavy metal contaminated water. Um, exactly. But I'm saying that in in terms of a shower, maybe, you know, at least for adults, maybe not for children. Um, I don't think you need to go to bottled water for your shower. I think that's a bit much. Yeah, yeah. But what about the dishwasher? I, I just, like, this is a situation I don't want to think about too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, no, oh, I, I, see, I see a lot of disposable paper and plastic plates in everybody's future uh, for a couple of months. Um, yeah, there's there. It, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, but it's not completely untenable either. Um, again, this doesn't, it's not going to turn NOLA into a ghost town for two months. Um, yeah. life will go on. This is not an existential threat, but it so, is, it is worth examining BCDR at scale that goes mm -hmm. beyond one organization, because that is something that could impact all the businesses within the environment as well. And what are they going to do? How are they going to carry on? Right. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the interesting thing is, you 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 do have so much lead time on this happening. It's not like 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 we talked about with the hurricanes, where you you're given less than basically four or five days worth of notification. You've got a month's worth of uh, of time to to get a plan together for this. Now the question is, is anything being done in this time to prepare for it? <laughs> anything that's actually effective, <laughs> or is everybody both, just kind of both the governor? and the mayor have said we're planning on doing stuff <laughs> which sounds great in a news bite yeah but but i'm the kind of guy who wants to hear a little more particulars you know I, it's real easy to say we're planning uh you know yeah and it's not because... the time <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the other thing is, what if it never actually happens? What if it never comes to fruition? And then you have just the opposite going where everybody's saying, well, the governor and the mayor spent all this money and resources and stuff preparing for something, and then it didn't even happen. They wasted all of our tax dollars. <laughs> what are they doing? They didn't. They don't know anything, all that stuff. Corps of Engineers has 18 barges backed up with, you know, <laughs> each barge gets 65 million gallons of water. Yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. And, and we talk about that in BCDR is um, when to pull the trigger, because mm -hmm. if you do it too soon, it's dangerous. And when you do it too late, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um and um, we talk about when do you call the recovery, too? At what point do you say the disaster has passed? Because, again, too soon or too late can have a significant impact. And usually you give it to an executive authority. You give it to someone like a governor or a mayor. Inside an organization, obviously, you give it to senior management. But um, these are the sorts of situations where having a centralized authority is useful. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I will keep throwing in updates in uh, future episodes, and I'll let you know if my water starts to taste a little funny. <laughs> well, yeah, that leads me to, to wonder, Ben, do you, do you and Robin have a personal BCDR plan for if and when this, this occurs? Are you all... 
going to weather the storm, so to speak, or are you going to relocate? Or I mean, you, you don't have to say what your explicit plans are, but Un- you unfor- oh, and I feel no problem with. The, I don't see any confidentiality here. Again, it's the sort of thing like when the governor and the mayor say, "We've got plans." Why are you keeping them secret? This is a perfect time to share all that information, you know? Um, But no, I'm glad to share. Um, First of all, because it's not an existential threat, Robin cannot leave because of her occupation. Um, My occupation, I can go anywhere because, you know, I'm a bum. But uh, uh, I could evacuate. I could take the pets. I could go further north and we'd be fine. Um, we're not even sure that the saltwater incursion is going to make it this far up the river anyway. I'm I'm well north of the city, and okay. it's possible that our tap water will be fine. If not, we've always had multiple defense in depth layers of water treatment at our disposal. Everything from the iodine tablets to um, various different water filtration systems, both uh the the permeous membranes that that rafti was referring to we also have uv pens for treating microbial infections those obviously won't work on heavy metals but i don't know how much lead pipe there is in our local water distribution system um uh we also um do have a distilling system and it's not that hard to do. Again, I'm not doing anything all day. I could I could boil water. <laughs> just, just another question then. Um, you said swamp. Do you have like lots of rain? And you said talked also about like industry and maybe chemical industry. Do you know if your rainwater um, contains heavy like metals or something? Can we, you we're not getting we're not getting the water? acid rain that we were worried about in the 1980s. That that hasn't been a thing. But I will say, <laughs> no. we live on a pond, uh, a very uh, a sizable pond, about a meteor in in circumference. Uh, I'm sorry, about a mile I'm, I'm, in circumference. You said sorry. a meteor. I was thinking we're, we're measuring a meteor. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, about a mile in circumference. Um, so we have plenty of fresh water, uh, very available. However, even that pond level has dropped in the past couple of days considerably. Um, it, it's really quite amazing uh, how much there is. Uh, Robin has long wanted a rain barrel filtration system. She may end up getting one uh, <laughs> in the next month or two. Um, but uh, no, I, I think local contaminants are fairly you know, uh, negligible in terms of what's in the environment. Um, so we're not as concerned about that. Usually, we're... go ahead. Rainwater, like the UV and the iodine, this is perfect for rainwater and stuff like that. If, especially if it's a couple of days old or something, it will taste funny. It's not a great experience, but in a pinch, this is water you can drink. You can also chlorinate your own water. Um, there's usually instructions on the back of bleach bottles on how to actually use it as a chlorine, uh, water treatment. Uh, again, doesn't taste great. You do have to wait a day or two for the, the, uh, chlorine to be settled and, and, um, uh, basically denatured. Yeah. Right. And kill Um, all the bacteria (laughs) and kill all the bacteria. Um, it doesn't taste great, but it is potable, right? I mean, it is, you, you can drink it. Um, and that's usually the concern we face here with drinking water. It's flooding, not drought. 
usually we get too much and the concern with too much is the microbial uh inundation that's the problem not salt water and heavy metals so this is a new disaster i think we've talked about this on previous episodes you never get the disaster you plan for <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you have to innovate adapt and overcome um but no i don't see us evacuating um if we do it'll be me and the pets and we'll come see you matt and uh we'll, we'll just raid your refrigerator and hang out at your place i don't recall ever extending an invitation to you and drink your bourbon there's a lot of water in bourbon <laughs> there is <laughs> generally about 50 percent alcohol and 50 percent water yep <laughs> there we go see alcohol is another great way to treat microbes yeah, it is <laughs> kill lots of stuff yeah um, so yeah, I, I'm not, we're not as concerned. I, I don't see this as an impending emergency. Okay. But, uh, but still, you know, always good to be prepared, you know, and have, have a plan, even if you never use it, you know, here's, here, here's what the outline of, of, uh, what we'll do if this is happening, if, if this milestone is reached, if this thing uh, occurs. Correct. Correct. And, and, and totally agreed. Nice. Again, the nice part about this one, slow moving disaster plenty of time to prepare, won't take out any of the other elements of a response like communications, mm -hmm. uh, power, right. uh, gas, you know, uh, yeah, we're still good. It's just yeah. one aspect. Yeah. It makes me think of the movie. Did you ever see the movie? It follows. Uh, it's a, it's a horror movie where it's a, it's a monster that just shambles along, never runs, never gets in a car, never goes very fast, but it's relentless and it will not stop. And you can go as far away from it. Everybody, Rafi didn't see it. Ben's looking at me quizzically. Uh, that's a great. That's a great premise, though. I like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, you can stay it. ahead of it, but you mm -hmm. always have to stay like a day ahead of it. Yes. Right? Yes. It will not stop coming. It won't come quickly, but it will not stop coming. <laughs> um, yeah, it came about ten years ago. It was kind of an independent horror film, but that's what this thing, this, this whole situation makes me think of because it's something. It's slow moving. But you can't, not, nothing that you're doing is going to stop it. <laughs> so and you can't ignore it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's fascinating. That's, that, was it a good movie or is it just it actually was. Yeah, it was, okay. it, it was, uh, like I said, it was an independent film. Um, but I, I think it got mainstream release. But yeah, uh, uh, if, if you're into it, I don't recall it being gory um, or, or terribly terrifying other than just that impending dread because you would just see this thing shambling constantly and it just never stopped. A lot of that is more frightening than, yeah. you know, a, a meat cleaver chopping a head off. I mean, I, <laughs> right. you know, the latter is so outre. It's so removed from anyone's experience that it, you know, it's gory and it has shock value, but we can't really integrate that into our limbic system and be afraid of it. Um, <laughs> but the other one, something following me all the time. Yep. We all have that experience with anxiety. We all have that experience, <laughs> you know, in our workplace. That's a lot more terrifying, I think. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Right. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank Halloween, you for bringing that to our Yeah, house. Halloween's coming up. It's a good Halloween flick. We've been doing horror movie after horror movie in our house. We're we're preparing <laughs> for it. Um, uh, We watched one uh, just recently about an alien invasion that I highly recommend to everyone. Um, it's an older film, um, but uh, it's got a lot of drama and a lot of very um, core uh, elements of, of good literature. It's called Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> highly recommend it. 
Was it Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, it was Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that is. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Damon Wayans. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of a cast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, anything else uh, before we call it? I don't think so. All right. Good. All right. Very good. Well, I'll keep you updated as uh, news progresses. And um, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P dot com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. <laughs>